What's up guys, Dalton here. Before we hop into this episode of the PT Coffee Cast, I just wanted to touch base with you and say thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Whether this is your first time listening or you've been rocking with us since day one, we appreciate your support. Every like, comment, share, subscribe, whatever it is, truly does mean the world to us and it continues to push us to put out the best possible content for you guys. Before we hop in, I just want to talk to you about our partnership with Physio Network. Physio Network is on a mission to improve physiotherapy standards worldwide. They do this through their research reviews. If you sign up, you'll get 12 research reviews per month in both written and audio form. Articles are selected and appraised by industry experts such as Sandy Hilton, Mary O'Keefe, Tom Goom. Um, former PT Coffee Cast guests such as Teddy Wilsey, Sam Spinelli, Jared Hall, Tom Walters, and plenty more. They're clinically relevant and recently published, and they take less than five minutes to read one review, saving you hours of work. This also solves that problem that we all struggle with. How do we stay up to date with the research? Physio Network has you covered. They also give you access to a members-only Facebook group, and you can do quizzes that will get you CEU points. They got it all. If you guys are interested in trying out Physio Network, you can start your seven-day free trial now by using the link in the show notes or our bio on Instagram. This will give you the option to play around, see what you like. Do you like listening? Do you like reading? And just seeing the amazing content that they give you guys, and then you will join because Physio Network is amazing. We'd love to hear from you guys. If you have signed up for Physio Network, please let us know how your experience has gone. We'd love to hear, and we can pass on that information to them. Also, if you guys haven't noticed, we've moved the PT Coffee Cast to its own Instagram page. So head over there so you don't miss out on any content. You can follow that at the PT Coffee Cast. We've also started a PT Coffee Cast newsletter so that you guys can get up-to-date information on the latest episode. If we have any new merch dropping, maybe some coffee, whatever it is, we want you guys to know about it first so you can follow the Instagram page as well as sign up for the newsletter so you don't miss out on anything. That's all I got for now, guys. I hope you enjoy this episode of the PT Coffee Cast. Welcome to the Movement PT Coffee Cast, where we sit down and talk about physical therapy, health, and whatever else comes to mind during our coffee-infused conversations. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Movement PT Coffee Cast. My name is Dalton, and with me, as always, my beautifully bearded friend, William. William, how are we doing today? We're doing good, man. Uh, it was fun. We just did a little bit of a shadow sesh. Yeah, man. You, uh, you showed me the way. Yeah, did I? Did you learn anything new? I did. I always learn. Oh, it's amazing. I learned that the impact of a nice beard and how it can have <laughs> on a client's interaction. I've heard it increases therapeutic relationship by like 10%. Facts. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're back at it with another episode. I feel like we've been recording a lot of episodes the last like two days, so my brain is kind of like all over the place. But on today's episode, we have the, the now the most interviewed person, like repeated guest <laughs> on the podcast. Um, if you don't know him already, you're about to find out, but you should know. His name's Joe Rinaldi. He's a physiotherapist. He's a performance coach um, and probably one of my favorite people. 
and I'm super excited to have him back on the podcast. Joe, how are you doing? I am doing amazing, guys. Thank you so much for having me back. Um, each time it just gets better and better. So this is obviously going to be the best one yet. It's, it's got to be. Yeah, man. Um, I'm doing well. Doing well. Yeah. yeah. How, how's, how's your day been? I know you're always doing like a million things. You know, the Instagram post starts at 4, 4 a.m. Yeah, today, today was actually a longer day than usual. I woke up at 3, um, got some reading done, some journaling in, worked out from about 4 to 6, and then treated patients from about 6.30 to 3, trained a client from 3.15 to 4.15, another client from 4.30 to 5.30, came home and ate real quick, and uh, I shaved my facial hair. You can't really call it a beard, but I shaved. And, uh, and now I'm sitting here with you guys. You like your days are always like that. Like from what I've seen, you know, I, I just want to, I want you to talk about that a little bit. Like, why mm-hmm. do you schedule your days like this? You know, like <laughs> what's, what's the motivating force behind all that? Yeah, I think so. My entire life, I've been a morning person. I mean, my parents, I can remember when I was five and six years old, getting up at like five in the morning to watch Pokemon on TV. Do, do you guys have Pokemon in Canada? Oh, oh yeah. We got Pokemon oh, Canada. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so I'd wake up at like five in the morning to watch Pokemon as a six-year-old and uh, I never grew out of it. I've just always been an early riser, but um, it was probably a couple of years ago where I started getting up around four and I just found that it was kind of my time. You know, nobody else was awake it was quiet. I can, I could be by myself, be with my thoughts, do whatever I wanted to do and not get interrupted. Um, and so I like to get up early because I feel like it gives me a jump start on the day, helps me set the tone. And we were talking before we started recording that, you know, Will is newly married. Um, Dalton's in a relationship. I'm newly married. And I think that the morning, early morning gives me that time to myself where I can get the important things out of the way so I could devote my time to other things later in the day. So, yeah. Yeah. On, on the married note, congrats. Thank you. And thank you. That leads into one of my questions that I had for you because I threw this question at Will one time on a podcast and he had no clue it was coming. (laughs) His answer was great, but I want to hear from you. Like what is like one thing that you've, learned about the married life so far Mm, mm. i think so far the biggest lesson i've learned is that how i like to be loved and love other people isn't necessarily how other people like to be loved or or give love um and so do you guys know what the love languages are I've read that book. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I really like words of affirmation. I like to hear that I'm loved verbally. um, And I like to write notes and and tell my wife that I love her, but she really likes quality time. Um, So I can tell her all I want and she appreciates it, but I really need to be intentional about spending quality time with her or she might not feel as loved as I think she does. Uh, So that's definitely been a big lesson early on. Yeah. See, this, this is why I love talking to Joe, man. This guy, you, you know, you never know what you're going to get. Like you, you're getting some, you're getting some mindset coaching. You're getting some love coaching, but yeah, no, I think, I think that's, that's, that's true, man. And, and I think it's important to be self-aware of those things. Um, especially as you're trying to interact with another human being, which can be challenging. Yeah, man. Um, I, I definitely think that one of the things I've learned in marriage, just, just communication wise 
uh, with the love, you know, giving and receiving love it carries over to the clinic and honestly, any other relationship in life. And one of the things I've been working on pretty intentionally recently has just been, um, I, I guess you would say reading other people well, um, and just giving other people room to be themselves and then responding accordingly. And I think in a busy outpatient clinic, um, it could be tough to really give people that attention and, and kind of interact with people in a very, um, I don't want to say calculated, but very intentional way. Um, and so that's something I've been working on recently. Um, it's just communicating better with every single person that I talk to. I think it can be tough. Like uh, we're in a different model now with what we're doing, but we were seeing people like, uh, you know, more frequently have less time. Right. And I think that's something that we both struggled with is uh, carrying over like a negative interaction into your next client that you have. I'm wondering if you've experienced that and if you've learned anything from that, like how do you try to take, how do you try to go into the next session with a, a refreshed kind of state? Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I've been doing for a while now uh, is every time I walk through a door frame, I just repeat the mantra to myself in my head, bring the energy. And it's just a reminder that every single time I walk into a room, I remind myself that this is an opportunity to bring positive energy to the space, to love the people around me, to be the absolute best version of myself. And so I think for me, the door frame is a physical representation of that reset of what I try to do throughout the day so I can stay on top of the game and stay at my best for the people around me. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great tip. I think I used to do something similar, not, not necessarily going through a door frame, door frame, but when I had like a session where that would happen, um, I would try to take a second to step into the bathroom and just mm -hmm. kind of like take a deep breath, look myself in, the, in like the mirror. Not, not, sometimes I would say like, I'll give myself maybe a hype speech, but Sometimes I wouldn't even have to say anything. It was just like a matter of just like taking a second to breathe and kind of just relax and then try to go into that next person with a, with a clear mind. Yeah. I think, I think for me too, one of the things that I've realized being a you know, physical therapist or physiotherapist is every time that I interact with someone, even though my day is continuous to me, that interaction is new for that person. And it's something they've been looking forward to, hopefully, or thinking about or are hoping to get value out of that interaction. And so even though my day is a continuous flow, I have to be very aware that every time I interact with someone, like they're expecting my best, they're hoping for my best. And, and that's what I want to bring. Um, so every time I interact with a new person, I, I try to bring that fresh energy to that. Yeah. How like how long have you been practicing now? A couple uh, of years? A year and a half, a little over a year and a half huh? out of school. And like, you know, I, I'm assuming that where you are now is not where you want to be forever. Yeah. But like, what have you learned from the last year and a half in terms of just from yourself, you know, like with what you want to get out of your career? Has anything yeah. changed? Yeah, that's a really good question. Actually, COVID has brought up uh, like a realization to me. So the first year out of school, right up until COVID, uh, you know, my outpatient clinic was fairly busy. And looking back, I could see now that I was in, in a rhythm. I was in the zone. I was treating patients. I was seeing upwards of 70, 75, sometimes 80, maybe touch 85 patients a week. 
And that's a lot of patience. Um, but when you're in that rhythm, you're in that flow, you're go, go, go. Um, you can kind of become numb to the fact that, that it is really busy. And so when COVID hit and things pretty much completely shut down, I had a chance to step back, slow down and, and kind of experience a different pace. And as we've built back up now that, you know, we've been in the pandemic for a while and things are starting to pick back up to where they were and I'm getting busier and busier now, instead of seeing one person an hour, I'm back to seeing two, sometimes three patients an hour. And I realize that I don't like that pace anymore because I'm at my best when I can give someone my full attention and just being in an outpatient clinic like that, while it's not necessarily a bad place to be, it's not where I'm at my best. And I feel like people who are interacting with me deserve my best and deserve my full attention. And so down the road, and I don't know, uh, I don't have a timeline. I, I'm not sure when this would be, but I would absolutely love um, to kind of be my own boss and, and open something up where I can, I can dictate the rules. I don't have to play by the rules uh, of the insurance company, of, of my employer or whatever it is. Um, I want to be able to create the best experience possible for a person. And, and for me, that's giving my one-on-one -on -one full attention. Yeah. And, I'm, and I think you guys are in the same boat, right? And that's kind of what you're doing at your clinic, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, definitely um, how we approach it. Like we, we have our sessions with people. Um, and I think, it's, I think it's important for, you know, people to identify like if that's what they want. Um, and mm -hmm. that, you know, as much as we want to help every person, which I would love to help every person, um, but you have to look at yourself and, and what purpose and what fulfillment you want to get out of your job and your life. And that may not look like seeing four or five people an, an hour when you can't give them what you feel like is the appropriate care and like, you know, almost ethically aligned with what you believe in. Right. So yeah. I think it's important and it's okay for people to realize that and step back and be like, Hey, I don't necessarily want to treat all these people or this type of person, even, you know, if there's like a certain niche or area that you want to go into and as, as new grads, you know, it's important to start to maybe think about what you do want. Yeah. And I, I think one of the other realizations that's come along with what I spoke about just previously is that I was so in that rhythm of just go, go, go. And I think what strung me along for so long for that whole first year was just the thought that if I'm this productive, like I'm going to get a raise, like this is going to pay off financially for me. And then when COVID hit, I obviously didn't get a raise. I was grateful to still have a job. Um, but I realized like nothing's guaranteed. Money's not everything. And I really need to take a step back and figure out how do I go forward from here so that someday I can be financially free enough to treat people the way I want to treat them. But also at some point I'm going to have to make that leap. Um, and you know, that's the scary part and, and you guys have gone through it. So I know this is your podcast and you're interviewing me, but, but at some point I would love to hear kind of how that jump was for you guys. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't think it was one big jump. I think it mm. was like kind of a gradual, a gradual buildup. And I think it was like calculated, but not calculated in a sense, <laughs> like, we always kind of had an idea that, you know, we wanted to do it and we were making little steps. Um, but then things kind of just like really happened quickly. And I think we spent a lot of time, you know, in physio school and then in our first couple of years out of school, 
answering the questions that we just talked about was like, what do we really want? You know, Mm -hmm. what do we want to get out of our job um, and have purpose in it? And I think that we realized, Hey, if we want to do it this way, we're not going to be able to do that in a business that's owned by someone else. Like Mm -hmm. we're going to have to do it. And I think that kind of really urged us because I think me and Will both saw the end if we continued on the trajectory that we were and it wasn't going to probably leave us in the physio space for me anyway. Mm. And I think that what, that's the biggest thing uh, that you're sort of talking about too. And I feel like it's where we were at a little bit ago and we still are is like always just putting the energy out there. Right. Mm. And even as simple as like saying what you want, Mm. you know, like, me and Dalton would have, obviously we talk a lot, uh, given the fact that we've done the podcast so often. Right. And we will get to the realization that like, Hey, like this actually isn't the way I want to do it. I actually want to do it this way. Or, Mm. you know, like even just talking about the type of culture that you'd like to cultivate, like, do you want to lead a team versus like be one of the people on the team? Like, it's not that one way is the right way, the only way, but I think it's coming to realization with yourself, Mm. you know, of what do you actually want? Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. So along those lines, um, one of the things that I've thought a lot about recently is, is how much I enjoy um, personal training, whether or not you want to call it personal training or or coaching or performance coaching. Um, But to me, you know, I think it's a spectrum, right? On one end, you have physical therapy, physiotherapy, where someone's injured, you have to be really careful about how you load their tissues. Um, on, on the other end, you have like training or, or performance coaching or athletic development or whatever you want to call it, where someone's not injured, and they're just striving for the best possible performance. And I think that my background in both physical therapy, and also performance coaching allows me to span that entire continuum. And so what I see myself doing someday is meeting people wherever they are on that continuum and taking them to wherever they want to be on that continuum. Um, And I I think one of the things that is tough right now is that, right, my title is physical therapist. I went to three years of graduate school to become a physical, a doctor of physical therapy. I spent a lot of money to become a doctor of physical therapy. But to me, like that, people call me doctor sometimes. I can't stand that. And I know some of my colleagues would disagree with, with how I feel, but right to me, like I'm not a doctor of physical therapy. I'm not a performance coach. Like I'm Joe Rinaldi, the human being, and I do those things, but that's not who I am. And, uh, and so I don't want to box myself in as a physical therapist and I don't know where that's going to take me someday. I mean, maybe it's, it's building a business and leading a team and creating a culture. Um, maybe it is practicing physical therapy in some regard. Maybe it's performance coaching. Maybe it's a mix of all three. Um, or maybe I just go rogue and write a book and become an author. Who knows? I, don't know. <laughs> I think that's cool though. I think yeah. we can relate a lot to that. Like that's one of the things that me and Dalton have kind of said from the beginning is like, we don't identify as physiotherapists, honestly, like mm. that's, that's what our title is, but that's not, that's not who we are. Right. It can get taken anywhere. Yeah. Just like you said, and you never, you never know where that's going to end up going and becoming. But I think what you're doing that's cool is like, you're starting to put that energy out there and it's so surprising how that ends up 
coming to fruition mm. later down the road. Mm. I'm sure we'll see. Oh, I'm sure we will. <laughs> on, the, on that note, like you, you basically asked yourself a question that I wanted to bring up about this whole idea of identifying yourself. Why is it important that you identify yourself as Joe and not as a physical therapist? Mm. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, like titles – um, names, whatever you want to call it, like they can be stripped away from you, right? Like, you know, I could lose a license. I could, you know, um, I could be blind and, and not be able to practice physical therapy. I could do whatever, you know, but as long as I'm alive, right? Like I'm Joe Ronaldo, like that's who I am. And I think there's power in, in the vagueness of that, right? As identifying as just a human being, because it's adaptable um, and it doesn't box you into anything. And it allows you to connect with other human beings. If, if that's who you are at your core, if you're a person, right, you're not above anyone else. Um, and I, I just think it's a really powerful way to kind of put things in perspective and realize like life is so much bigger than just me. And these titles don't make me any more important than anyone else. Um, it doesn't give me status that, that allows me to look at people differently. Um, I don't, I don't deserve anything just because of this title. Like, you know, for me, everything's earned. And at the end of the day, like I am literally just a person. I, I get scared. I have doubts. I cry. I have good days. I have bad days. And no matter what it looks like on social media or to somebody in the clinic or passing on the street, like we all feel the same things at the end of the day. Some people feel some things more than others. Um, and, but we're all human beings. And I think that's just a really powerful thing to realize, especially when you're interacting with people who might not be feeling so hot. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a conflict. A conflict becomes when you tie yourself up in like these degrees, right. Or this identity that's not yourself and you kind mm. of, in a sense, lose who you are. Um, and I feel like that can become challenging when you're trying to do what we do, which requires us to mentally be like focused on other people and trying to help other people out. And, and if you're struggling with identifying who you are, it can be very challenging to help other people. And it's something that I've thought a lot about and, and, you know, I'm going to say his name, but Nick and, and the crew that are doing like the wave, which we just released an mm. episode talking about that, like they're, they're focusing on those things. And like, I think it's so crucial for, for our profession, people in our profession think about that stuff. Yeah. There's uh, you know, hearing you guys just talk now, um, you know, I have something that I've, I've never talked about out loud and I'd love to mention it on the podcast. If you guys are cool with it, I promise it's nothing dark, but um, <laughs> no, this is, this is, yeah. uh, this is hot take. Well, so, you know, I, it wasn't until I went through it and then looked back that I realized this was what it was, but probably from the end of high school through the beginning of graduate school. So maybe like call it six years. Um, I had some serious body image issues um, and probably an eating disorder. And it wasn't an eating disorder that, you know, it wasn't anorexic or, or bulimic or anything like that. But um, I was so obsessed with how I looked and what I ate that I let, I let that dictate my life, right? Like I would measure all of my food. I wouldn't eat anything that I didn't make. Like we'd go out to a restaurant and like, I wouldn't order food with my family. Um, I'd go out with friends and wouldn't touch any food. Um, and it was just, it was really unhealthy looking back at it. And 
I, I luckily got through that. And like, it's funny, you know, I just did a photo shoot with a friend back from my hometown. And, you know, some of the pictures were, were me working out without a shirt. And to anybody who'd look at those pictures, they'd be like, man, he's in great shape. But if you talk to Joe like six years ago, he wouldn't post or, or put any of them out for the world to see because he was like, you know, 6% body fat and not 5% body fat. Or, you know, he had like a bulging vein on his right bicep, but not his left bicep. And like, I was just never good enough for myself. And, um, you know, it was because my identity was in how I looked, um, which is crazy. But I, I think a lot of people probably can relate to that. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I'm lucky that I still have my health and my physical abilities, but I think like one of the hardest things for me to lose would be my, my physical health and ability because part of my identity still is wrapped up in that, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's hard because like, you know, who is it? Stephen Hawking. I think, I think he passed away, but right. He was in a wheelchair. And like his mind was like the most incredible thing in the universe. Um, but that was basically all he had was his mind and like who he was as a person. He didn't, he couldn't do anything physically. He couldn't, you know, um, he couldn't identify with much except who he was. I think that's pretty cool. So <laughs> I don't know where it's going with that. Well, what's kind of like, uh, how have you wrestled with that? You know, like how have you kind of changed your mindset around yeah, I think, you know, I, I think as different people and things came into my life, um, today I put them, I gave them more importance than myself. And so most notably my wife, you know, when, when we met, I stopped worrying about a lot of things related to my body image and what I was eating and what I was doing because like none of them were as important as spending time with and getting to know her. Um, and so I kind of like, lost myself in a good way um, in my relationship with her and like came out kind of to where I am now as, as a new person. And I think I put her, um, you know, above me in a lot of things that I do. And so if I can't make it to the gym one day because she needs me to help her with something or, um, you know, there's something more important than just me, like I'll do that. Whereas in the past, like if someone was like, hey, can you drive me to the airport today at, at three? I'd make up some kind of excuse because that was my workout time. Um, but if my wife needs me or if a friend needs me or someone else needs me, like now I count those people more important than my aesthetics. And so I'll do those things. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that there's always something that helps push you out of that, you know, whether it be someone, you know, obviously like your wife, um, you know, whether it's, whether it's like, you know, your own thoughts, it's writing things out, it's reading a book, you know, there's, it's interesting. There's always something that can help kind of nudge you in that direction that you need. Yeah. And, and I think life experience it, it, for me, life experiences have been the biggest nudges and another more recent one. I know you had, you know, I had mentioned I'm recently married. My wife and I got married on May 2nd, 2020 during the pandemic and uh, we took a few days off from work for our honeymoon. So just, just to stay home. And we spent the three days that we took off from work, just like lying in bed. And I was feeding her Gatorade and soup because she wasn't feeling well. And then the day we went back to work, she texted me and said, you know, I'm at the emergency room and I'm going into surgery. 
It's like, I was beside myself. And so I, I stepped out of work and, and gave her a call and her appendix had burst and uh, they took her into emergency surgery. And there are no visitors at this time because this is when COVID was pretty fresh. Right. And um, she came home the next day and everything was fine. But the doctor told us to watch out if she had a fever because it, it could mean that she had an infection and you know it's obviously not good. So I spent that night and the next couple nights getting up like every hour, every half an hour on the half an hour, just taking her temperature, making sure she had what she needed. And I was completely and utterly exhausted. I was a zombie at work. I didn't work out. I felt physically terrible. Um, but at the same time, like when I was in those moments of service, to her where I was helping her, I didn't think about anything else. Like it didn't matter that I didn't work out. It didn't matter that I didn't eat that day. It didn't matter that like whatever it was, cause my entire focus was just on helping her. Uh, and I feel like those experiences in my life have been a really powerful uh, way to shift from focus on me to focus on other people. Yeah. It's crazy how that can, that can have that effect, you know, that giving to others can help pull you out of a situation that's hard or challenging. Yeah. I think like one of the best antidotes for feeling down about yourself, honestly, is to lift someone else up. I think helping other people is one of the most underrated and undervalued ways to just get out of a slump yourself. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. Um, question. So a lot of big things going on for you over the last little bit. Um, I'd love to touch on those so, sure. you know, I know you, you launched your, your first paid newsletter, which is a big step for you. Um, just launched, uh, your podcast, the pursuit podcast with your, with your buddy, Sam there. So I'd love to hear you kind of talk about those and what pushed you towards, um, those new things. Sure. Yeah. So I'll start with the newsletter. Um, you know, for everybody listening, if, if you don't know who I am, right, one of the things that I do is, is I write. Um, and I, I have a blog that I've had for about three and a half years now. And I started it just because I had a story that I felt like other people could benefit from hearing. And so I put it out there and, it, you know, it took a lot of courage. But once it was out there, the response was incredible. People reached out to me and said, wow, you're, you're, you know, thank you for sharing. Thank you for being vulnerable. You know, you've helped me because I was feeling really down or whatever it was. And so I started to write more and more because I, I saw how it was touching people. And through writing over the past three and a half years, I realized not only how much writing has helped me, but because it's helping other people, it's, it's something I want to dedicate more time to. And so I think one of the best ways to make something happen and this sounds ridiculously simple and almost silly for even saying it, but one of the best ways to make something happen is to literally make it happen. <laughs> and just like, like Nike hit the nail on the head, man, like yeah. just do it. And, uh, and so I started writing a newsletter. Um, I wasn't sure exactly what it was going to be, but I knew I wanted to take a wide variety of information and ideas and concepts from other people and from myself and put it into this one place that I can send out on a weekly basis to whoever would, uh, would amuse me with their attention. And um, I wanted it to be a thing where people could rely on this email getting to their inbox Sunday morning so that they could set the tone for the week ahead, have things to think about, have things to reflect on and to think forward to. And, um, and so, yeah, it started out with a little less than 20 people uh, about two and a half months ago. And now it's up to 76 people who get this newsletter every Sunday. And uh, it's really, really cool. And I've gotten the question before why it's a paid newsletter. And so 
it's $3 a month. But the reason it's paid is because I realized that anytime I've gotten something for free in my life, I don't give it the weight that it deserves. And so you get something for free. I think um, you might not value it as, as much as you should. And if you get a free email to your inbox, you might not even look at it. So I only want people who are actually going to read this newsletter. Um, so the $3 is just a way to hold people accountable to uh, actually, you know, getting what they paid for. Um, and so, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, dude, like obviously I'm signed up for the newsletter. And like the, <laughs> You're one of the first. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, the information that you were putting out is way worth way more than $3. And I think what people need to start to realize too is like, you take a lot of time and effort and there's a lot of value that goes into these things that, you know, shouldn't be free. You know, it's like yeah. that, you know, like social media, they can go on your Instagram page and, and consume a lot of free content that you've spent a lot of time putting out. And I think, you know, the fact that you've taken the next step towards that, you know, paid side of things, like, I think it's, a, it's important. Like, I know it's not why you do what you do, yeah. but at the same time you talk about wanting to create, this life for yourself and these, these avenues for yourself. Like this is one way to do that. So I'm super yeah. excited for you. And then it's gone like that for that way. Thank you, Dalton. Yeah. It, um, it's just also something that I realize I enjoy it. I want to do more of it in the future. And I, I want to be able to create that space to write more. And one of the ways is right. If I can get a couple hundred dollars a month, you know, maybe I don't have to work a couple hours a week and I could devote that to writing and maybe that snowballs into more free time for writing. Um, and, and so, yeah, I just, I appreciate everyone's support. If you're listening to this podcast and, and you want to check out the newsletter and you're not committed to $3 a month, I will, I will send you the emails for free for a month uh, just so you can see what it's all about. The money is not important to me. So um, please reach out to me if you're interested at all and uh, I'll show you what it's about. Yeah. And then um, podcasts. So obviously <laughs> yeah. you've been on a bunch of podcasts in your, in your career um, and now you launch your own. So take me through that. Yeah. So I think that my first podcast experience, one of my first podcast experiences was with you guys. And at the time, I don't know how, how long ago that was. It was a couple of years. Yeah. Like I didn't even like listen to podcasts. I didn't really know what podcasts were. And now I feel like all I hear people talk about are podcasts, podcasts, podcasts. So like you guys were way ahead of the curve. So kudos to you on that. But you know, so my friend, uh, Sam Tooley, I grew up with him in Westfield, New Jersey. Um, he's big on Instagram. He owns a few gyms. He's an online coach and endurance athlete. He, he's a big inspiration of mine. Reached out to me a few months ago and, and wanted to start a podcast with me. And, you know, my honest, like my honest first reaction was I don't have time for that um, just because my schedule is so jam packed. And then I took a step back and I thought, wait a sec, this is an incredible opportunity to connect with Sam multiple times you know, a month, but also with other people. And I could just hear their stories and, and learn from them and, and add value to the world. And I was like, this is a no brainer. I have to do this. So Sam and I started the pursuit podcast and it's called the pursuit um, because we want to help people on their relentless pursuit of becoming the best versions of themselves, just like him and I are every single day. And I know you and Will are just as well. Um, and so our whole thing is we want to bring on people who are high performers, um, not even necessarily high achievers, but people who perform at a really high level, 
who are super driven, who are adding value to the world. And we want to bring them on so that we can collectively add value to the people who listen. And we've recorded about four episodes so far and the first two are out and it's uh, the response has been incredible. And it's just been a really, really fun process. And I can see why you guys have stuck with podcasting this long because honestly, it's just, it's a conversation you get to have with people who become friends and, um, and you record it and you put it out there for other people to listen to. And it's, it's just really cool. Yeah. And it's been, it's been fun to listen to that podcast and, and hear you in like a longer form content. Mm. Cause like you do a lot of writing, which is like, can be longer form, but like most of your writing is, is like, I would say medium to like yeah. smaller form. So it's, it's cool even though I, you know, I've gotten to know you a bit, like to still learn more things about like your experiences and have you talk about them in a longer Mm. form episode. Like, I think that's awesome for anyone who's been like following your stuff to like get even more of a deeper side of Joe, you know? (laughs) I appreciate that. Yeah. My, and the bonus too, is my grandma reached out to me and she said, honey, you have an excellent podcast voice. So it's, uh, that made it all worth it right there. Man, if, if grandma gives you the, the <laughs> nod, then that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah. Um, the last thing I want to touch on just before we wrap up is uh, I know you were on the pursuit, <laughs> on the pursuit <laughs> of, uh, of doing an Ironman or half Ironman, sorry. And that kind of got derailed. I know like exercise and training and being physically active is a big part of who you are. Mm-hmm. So where's that at now? How's that shifted? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So to answer the question, I should probably tell your audience why I decided to do a half Ironman in the first place. And so I don't have a background in endurance sports. You know, um, I run sometimes the uh, furthest I've ever ran was about 13 miles, but it wasn't in a race. It wasn't a half marathon. And, uh, you know, I've come to enjoy it more and more over the past year. And I realized that everything I was doing in life, like even getting a doctorate degree and not to sound pompous or arrogant, but it wasn't that hard. Um, And I felt like life was pretty easy and comfortable. And I had this moment where I realized like me being comfortable in life is not going to get me to where I need to be, where I want to be. And growth truly comes from being uncomfortable. And so I wanted a physical challenge where I would get halfway through the race or, or whatever it was and realize and, and have this moment where my body and my mind were saying, Joe, we can't do this anymore. And then I was going to like dig deep, find that other switch and say like, yeah, we're going and just finish the race. And um, because I, I think it's, it's, there are a lot of parallels to life in that right? Like in life, everyone struggles. Like, I don't care who you are. It might look different for every single person, but everyone has struggles and everyone is going to get hit hard by life at one point or another and probably multiple times. And so I feel like that physical pursuit of something that's so hard where you just want to quit, it's also a mental pursuit, maybe more so a mental challenge. And I feel like if I could seek something like that out and then overcome it, the next time I face something like that, whether or not it's self-inflicted or life just throws it at me, I'll be better able to handle that situation because I've been through that struggle and, uh, and I came out stronger on the other side. And so, yeah, the Ironman, the half Ironman I was supposed to do in Lake Placid got canceled because of coronavirus. And, uh, it was disappointing. I had been training, putting in a good 15 to 20 hours a week for that. And, um, so it was disappointing. And I deferred my race to Maine, 
which is August, 2020. And the week, actually two days after I deferred my race to Maine, a woman got killed by a great white shark in the exact spot where the swim happens for the triathlon. And so I canceled, I canceled my Ironman registration in Maine. You and did? I'm, yeah, man. I realized that. So here's the thing. I'm all about pushing myself, but an ocean swim for my first half Ironman is not for me because not, I don't think I'm going to get eaten by a shark, but like, I'm not the strongest swimmer. And so I'm all for pushing myself in like a lake or something, but I don't want to go out as the guy who drowned doing his first half Ironman. So I'm actively looking for, uh, for another race in 2021 that has a closed body of water swim. (laughs) Um, but yeah. And once I find that, um, I'm going to get right back to training and, and, you know, the training is just as hard as the race. And, and that's the fun part, to be honest, is just kind yeah. of like embracing that suck. Yeah. Cool, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I'm excited to hear where you end up <laughs> deciding to. It'll be, win. it'll be inland. Yeah. 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 <laughs> cool, man. Um, yeah, Joe, you know, what, just to wrap up, why don't you let people know where they can like find all your content? Um, and then obviously we'll link that up in the show notes. But if they, if they're listening, they want to find you, where can they yeah. find you? Cool, man. Uh, so my blog is joerinaldi.blog. And like Dalton said, you can find that in the show notes. Um, you could also find my newsletter through the blog if you want to sign up. Uh, the podcast is The Pursuit Podcast. And there are quite a few The Pursuit Podcasts I've come to learn. So uh, just type in The Pursuit Podcast, Joe Rinaldi, and you'll find it. And then Instagram is joerinaldi.dpt for Doctor of Physical Therapy. And, uh, and yeah, I would love to connect with anyone who's listening and, uh, Dalton and will, thank you so much for having me on. I had third time. It's such a pleasure and an honor. Yeah, man. We appreciate it. It's always a fun conversation. Although will did step out. Earlier. <laughs> um, I, I kicked him out. I kicked him out cause he shaped his beard and I'm not happy about it. Yeah. No, he had to step out for, uh, for an assessment. So that's why I didn't hear his beautiful voice to wrap it up. But Joe, yeah, thanks for coming on, man. We appreciate your insight. Um, anyone else out there that hasn't, you know, stumbled across Joe and you're just hearing him for the first time, check out his stuff. Um, I've learned so much from, from knowing Joe and consuming his content over the last couple of years. It's definitely helped me as an individual and as a clinician. So I highly suggest checking it out. <laughs>